Hello, and thank you for tuning in this week. This is Hear Her Sports, the female athlete podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Elizabeth Emery. My guest this week is Patricia Destine, who has been a middle school coach at Roe, New York for seven years. Roe, New York develops physically and mentally strong student athletes, has built a sense of family, and continues to support its participants once they leave the program. Patricia started in Roe, New York as a high schooler, still rows, kickboxes, and is working towards a career as a youth development personal sports specialist. She gives us a terrific insider's view into young athletes because she's been working with these kids for years and because she's only 22. We talk about middle school girls leaving sports too frequently, her methods to prevent that, nutrition for athletes and models, and what it's like to row in New York waterways. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really looking forward to learning more about Row New York. Hi, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to be here as well. I'm full of information. I've been there for seven years now, so I have a lot to say. Oh, terrific. Well, let's begin with the basics of what is Row New York. So Row New York is a nonprofit in New York City that pretty much is a rowing program that helps kids in the inner city from different levels of economic background to all be able to row in New York because it's not common in New York City to have waterways. So it gets everyone from different parts of the city to be able to find a waterway and get into boats and row. It must be really exciting to get out on the water, you know, from the city. Yeah, it definitely is. Since we have two sites currently, we have Manhattan and Queens, there's very different waterways. So it's really interesting to always see how each team adapts to their different waterways. And then when we like switch and we do like mixers. So it's really interesting to see how the kids adapt to different waterways since they're from different parts of the boroughs. Can you describe the two different waterways? Yeah. So in Queens and Flushing Park, we have, it's it's a lake. It's pretty much a lake. And so there's about a thousand meters going one direction so they have to then do like a quick turn to go down the other direction if they want to do longer pieces compared to in Manhattan where we're in Harlem River Washington Heights area and so we have water until we can't stop like we can keep going into the Hudson River you know like it's always safety first but we can just keep going and we're on the same waterway as Columbia University so it's kind of like we get to see other rowing crews on our waterway compared to Queens, where they're just very much the only rowing program there. They share the boathouse with like a dragon rowing boat company, but it's nothing similar to what we are doing in New York. In the Manhattan water in the Harlem River, is there a lot of boat traffic other than the rowers? I mean, like freighters and whatnot? Yeah, we definitely have a lot of boat traffic. Sometimes it's extremely random. Sometimes we're aware of it. In the summer, in the spring, there's a lot of triathlons that happen. So we'll just be having a normal rowing practice, you know, and then all of a sudden you see boats, like police boats and um, the Coast Guard, and they're just like flagging us down like, hey, we'll just have some swimmers swimming by you guys. And so it's always really interesting to see. There's a pirate festival I didn't know about until I started rowing at Row New York that happens on that river. So there's a bunch of boats that just go by and they're just in a pirate competition to see who can reach land first you mean like pirates pirates like stealing gold and parrots and stuff like that no i I hope not (laughs) there's just a bunch of really excited people who are just like i'm out there for a fun day and they have like these prizes that they have to win and pick up along the line but they start off like downtown near the pier chelsea pier and they like they roll their way upwards towards us and then they land on our waterway so we get to see all these really creative boats that they decorate themselves and so it's always really exciting for the kids, at least, to see like, okay, well, we're rowers, but there's so many different crafts of rowing. There's so many different boat styles. 
So it's always a really exciting day. You know, we had a seal pop up on our dock the other oh, day. Wow. So, yeah. So Manhattan has a very interesting, crazy days. Whereas Queens is very like they have the Dragon Festival, which is really big for Chinese New Year and Chinese culture. So it's always really interesting to see what different waterways bring. Right. And what about wildlife? Wildlife in Queens is a lot of geese, goose. Uh, there's goose poop in everywhere. <laughs> I bet. Um, <laughs> you know, they have a lot of ducks. Uh, saw a chicken one time. Don't know where that came from. We're in Manhattan. We have the same thing. We have a lot of geese. There's a ton. So we have eggs sometimes hatch, like they'll nest right on our dock. Wow. So we have to always be very cautious of the eggs around everywhere. Uh, like I said before, we had a seal pop up. This is not the first time the seal has popped up in the years that have been here. So every year, every couple of years, we have a seal just come and lounge on our dock. We have a lot of fish life in Manhattan and as well as in Queens. Cool. So who participates in your program? And I guess also, how do they find it? So we try to choose the children from that area. Like Manhattan is a lot bigger. So the picking is a little bit wider compared to Queens, where it's like, depending on which area you're part of Queens, it makes it a little easier to pick from there. So but the students themselves are, they come from very different backgrounds. We have kids from very high financial backgrounds. We have kids from very low income backgrounds. We have kids who mom and dad used to row in college. We have kids who never in their life have imagined rowing, don't even know what it means. And we kind of just went into the schools in that area, in the area of East Bill House, and we kind of just recruit. We explain what rowing is. We bring an erg. We bring an oar. We show a video of our kids rowing in the program with some of their inspirational moments and quotes that they picked up from rowing. And we kind of show it to the kids and see who picks it. We have kids who mom and dad, because they rode, they're like, I need you. I want you to be a rower as well. I want you to experience this amazing sport that I did. And so through parents, they've gone. But a lot of our kids that we have on our teams are through recruiting at schools, our partnership schools, and kind of just giving kids who probably would never imagine or didn't know rowing existed the opportunity to row. Yeah, for kids who've never heard of rowing, and I think about myself, like I never knew rowing existed. So... Who is attracted to rowing when you go into the schools and show them erg? I mean, it's pretty foreign. Yeah. So when you first go into the schools, when we, for example, if we do indoor rowing, which is um, a lot of times we'll go to the school and we'll probably be there for a week and we're part of the gym class. Oh, cool. So when we, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So when we do things like that, a lot of times it's the boys. Boys are a little bit more, they're like competitive. They look at it. They're like, well, I don't need the technique. I just need to go really, really fast. And- <laughs> Which they just, they don't care. They're like, this is the machine. We need to row. We need to go really fast. So the boys tend to come. They get attracted to the erg itself really quickly. Right. But I, I like to say that the girls are a little bit more committed to actually signing up and joining. Because I think the girls kind of look at the idea of like, okay, besides this machine, what else am I signing on to? What else is the bigger commitment? The boys just see that one picture in that moment. Right. And it's funny, too, because rowing is so technical. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really interesting when they're sitting there like, look at my numbers. I just did 100 meters really quickly. I'm like, you you have no idea that there's so many more meters that you need to be doing to be the fastest person in this world. And so the kids that do join, you know, what do they get out of it? And what do they like about it? And I guess also, what do they dislike about it? So we run a very competitive sport. As much as we are the abnormal group program in rowing because we are a nonprofit and we are offering it to a very different population of people than normal rowing clubs would. The kids, when they join, they're very aware that like 
their student athletes. We very, we're very big on pushing the student part. And so they get academic days. So for the middle schoolers, they have two academic days. It's mandatory to attend unless you are like in a school activity, obviously. And then for the high schoolers, they get one day of academics with a lot of SAT help, college application help, things like that. Besides, they also know that it's a long commitment. Early on, we don't hide it. We're just like, guys, you have to understand that if you're in the high school team, you are training about six days a week. You are you are with us about six days a week. One of those days is an academic day, but we are training a different part of your body. It's your brain that's being trained at that point. The middle schoolers are aware that they're with us for five days of the week, which means two of those days you're academics and the other three days you are at practice working hard to be the better person you can be. So, but I would say that the things that they dislike the most, for a lot of them, it's as you get older, you want to hang out with your friends. You want to have, you want to make friends outside of this program. And I think rowing makes it very difficult sometimes because rowing is a sport that or it's like any team when you join it you have to commit to it you have to put work in to be better and that means that every day you have to attend you know when there's practice you have to attend compared to um some kids who are just like this is just a gym class where I just I don't have to put that extra effort in and I don't have to play basketball today I can go play volleyball on the other side of the court you don't have that option when you're a rower you have to you have to do the workouts you have to push yourself you have to do it not just for yourself because you have other people depending on you because you're in a boat so I think that's the hardest part or the dislike moments when it's like oh my god I have to irk and I'm tired and I I have homework and I don't want to do it but I have to do it so that's I think that's the only thing I think our kids would ever complain about it's like we have to irk and I'm tired and I just want to sleep and they can't Yep. But also, I mean, when you join a team, you said like you can't go play volleyball or hang out with the other friends, but you do have this whole group of people that are your friends. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we have kids who are the the most shyest person you could have ever met before they join their team. They're just like, they just wouldn't talk. Like it was pulling teeth to talk to them as an adult. And so six months down the road when you see them and they're the kid who's taking charge they're the kid who's helping the other kids learn how to row you know it's so you see this blossoming of personalities happen because they have this tight-knit community that has seen them at their weakest point because in rowing you see people at their crumbling motions where they're just like I don't I don't know how to keep going but you know you keep going because of people around you because they've cheered you on they tell you that you can do it they make you believe in yourself so I think a lot of times they grow and they love the sport more because they have this tight knit community that grows with them. Like, you know, you rowing for six years or seven years, like a lot of the middle schoolers will probably end up doing because they're so young and they're going to go into high school. By that point, the people you've been with for that long, you now bring into your adulthood. Like, even though you don't see them every day, these are the people you text, you know, you invite them to your wedding because you know that they're, they've been with you since childhood. And so they're like close family members at that point. So, right, right. Yeah. Cool. You touched on this a little bit, but could you describe the nitty gritty of, you know, a week of training and what actually happens at the boathouse and describe it a bit? Yeah. So I would say that each program is always different, but like most of our kids, they get out of school around 3.30-ish. So they'll probably make their way to the boathouse. So by four o'clock, we have a good amount of kids to start warmups. So we have them do dynamic warmups, which will entail either a run, a 10 lap run, or it will be let's say an erg piece for 10 minutes, working on rates, technique for that warm up, making sure your posture is right, your stroke is nice and clean. Um, and then we have them do dynamic stretches, 
which gets them warmed up. A lot of people forget that you need to warm up those muscles before you use them. Then we get them into boats. We'll get them, we'll get the coxswain, you know, the list of kids in which boat, the workout plan for that day, and then we send them out. If it's a it's a spring season, we'll send them out on the water and then we coach from there. If it's on land, like in winter, like we are now, it's very similar to what I said before. Warm up, dynamic stretches, get them on the earth, try to get to the workout. We will make it a clear. So one of the workouts could be for the middle schools. We did uh, was it? We did relays. We do a lot of relays with them working together, them learning how to push past their boundaries with each other. And so we can do a six k relay and put them in a groups. While, while one person's on the earth, the other person is doing a circuit workout. So it could be push-ups, squats, lunges. And that is a workout that we have them doing. And if they come in for like test pieces, we'll have them do like a 1K. So prior to the 1K, they'll come in. They do their warm-ups like normal. The coxswain is aware of like which flight everything's happening, who's showing up late, so who they need to prep a little bit early. We try to start our coxswain very early on in middle school to be more responsible because by high school, they're just like on the ball with it. Uh, we try to get the rowers to be the same, really responsible, less dependent on us, and just kind of just be able to do their own thing so they know that they come in, they do their warm-up, they sit down, get ready for their flight, they get on the workout, they do their 1K, they do their 2Ks, and then they stretch. And then we can call it a day from there. We try to keep a very structured practice where it's like they are aware of the, the nitty-gritties. The workout always changes, but the, the beginning and the, the end of practice is always very similar. Mm-hmm. And how long is practice? A couple hours? Uh, yeah, so the kids will, the middle schooler gets there at four and they leave at six, so about two hours long. So the high schools are same, but they get there at 4.30, leave at 6.30, two hours long. And are you talking about sort of beyond the boathouse type stuff like nutrition and sleep and things like that? Yes, yes. Every year, especially during the more heavier parts of our season, the late winter, early spring, right before the season really picks up, we could bring in a specialist or one of the coaches will do uh, a nutrition talk what are the proper ways of going about it we'll do it end of winter early spring and we'll try to do one at the end of spring early summer that way the kids are kind of getting an idea of what they need to be looking out for what's proper weight training what's not good weight loss what's you know calorie counting what does that mean especially at this young age where a lot of the girls and the boys are very insecure sometimes about body types and like they're following celebrities who they're, they don't really know the full nitty-gritty details of the celebrity, but they're like, that's my idol, and mm-hmm. I want to look like them. So we try to get them to understand that everyone has a different body type. So that means you have to do different things to get to the healthier level of your life for you. You can't follow someone else's diet or someone else's structure. So we do that. We do the sex ed talk, so that way, you know, everyone is healthy. We do the different levels of rowing. Like, you know, there are open weight, there is lightweight and if you are trying to be in these positions, how to get there safely and healthy. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting conversation, particularly for women rowers, because, you know, women rowers tend to be very big, which is not what the celebrities are showing. No, that's definitely the hardest part is getting them to understand that, like, as an athlete, you will look very different to some extent than the average, just a model. Like, a model is not training as hard as you guys because she her job entails a very different life structure you know and compared to a rower where your quads as a woman it's hard to understand that like my quads are so big like it <laughs> you know like guys are like yeah I got big quads whatever women are like what is going on and so misproportioned like I can't wrap my own hands around my quads because they're so big right and um 
so it's it's the craziest thing to understand when you're like 14 16 years old they're just like what what ha- what did you guys do to me we try to do group conversations and then we try to if it's a bigger situation depending on the year depending on the group depending on the mindset of the team we try to do separate individual gender conversations just so they can understand like for women this is something you should be looking out for this is a healthy way for you and then for guys this is a healthy way for you to do it because I think a lot of times we forget that guys have these insecurities as well they just don't always show it as much as girls do because I've had kids guy male kids students who are just like I'm so small why am I so small like all my friends are huge and it was like everyone develops differently everyone get you like you right now you might be the smaller one and then in two years you're the biggest kid on the team because they've hit their peak and you just sprout we try to like cater the conversation to the group which helps I think has helped us not have any any crazy serious health issues that I know a lot of other teens suffer with, hmm. especially at this young age. Right, right. One of the things that has come up in this podcast is that girls, particularly in middle school, tend to drop out of sports more often than boys. Have you dealt with that or thought about that or noticed that at all? Yes, I have noticed that, actually. So I've noticed that girls, for some reason, they, they are great at it. They love sports from the age of like sixth grade, when you're like 10, 11, Seventh grade, you're like, yeah, I like it. But by the end of seventh grade, where this mindset of I'm older, I'm more mature, I'm kind of an adult a little bit, they start to wean off of sports. They kind of like, they try to move away from it. I don't understand. I don't know if it's because of this. They're a little bit more aware of their body types at this point. They're a little bit more aware of like the opposite gender. And so they're trying to cater to what society and social media is trying to tell them. But then I also noticed that there are kids who, if you're able to keep them, hold them on long enough, past that little bump, that hump in the road where they're like, I don't know if this is for me, they tend to stick it through into high school. Once you get them past that weird early stage of eighth grade, late stage of seventh grade, of like, this might be like, this might be a boy sport, I might be too athletic, I might be a tomboy idea mindset that, somehow they pick up in that group they stick to it until they reach high school where then it just becomes you know okay well where's my time at this point I want to hang out with friends but I think there's there's this weird conception for them it's like maybe I'm too boyish I've had students go well you know like this is a lot like what if I'm like I'm a tomboy like I don't want to be a tomboy I want to be a girly girl I'm just like where did you get this concept that athletes female athletes are tomboys and not girly girls I know some female athletes who wear makeup more than the models do like that doesn't mean right. anything <laughs> <laughs> like they have full faces and they're working out right. like it's just it doesn't entail anything so I think there's this weird stage that they go through where there's like they are oblivious of their gender to some extent and then it's like this light opens up and they're like, wait, I'm a girl. Like, is this okay? It's interesting that you called it a hump that they have to get over. Yeah. I think it's a hump because I'm like, once they've gotten past it, it's a, it's a hump because it's like, you got to keep pushing them up the hill. What kind of, it's like, yeah, keep going. You're almost there. And once they hit that top, they're like, you know what? Going down is not as bad. And they just kind of flow with the rest of it. So yeah. How do you, maybe you specifically, but also how does Roe New York help them get over that hump? Personally, when I start seeing it, I try to recognize it, especially with the girls team a little bit earlier in the way of like, 
attendance, simply things where it's like, oh, I can't come because I'm feeling sick. But then I saw you yesterday and you were just, you were fine. You were communicating with your friends. Also, middle schoolers talk about each other a lot, not in a bad way, but they kind of like, they'll snitch a lot on each other, kind of be like, oh, um, yeah, you know, like this person told me that they're not coming because they didn't feel well. Or they just told you that they weren't coming because they didn't feel well, but they're really at their friend's house. And so I start noticing those things a little bit earlier on with attendance and with the way they look at pieces and workouts. And so I, from that moment on, I try to do a lot of one-on-one talks, a lot of self-growth and a lot of like self-empowerment talks. Like you guys got this, like, you know, um, you just need to get past this moment. It's just a month. I think for them, they see time as very long distance. It's like, it's me telling someone to run a thousand meters they're just like, that sounds like a lot. That, that really sounds like a lot where it's in comparison to actually doing it's not a lot. And so I think for middle schoolers, they see things in such a far distance that they can't comprehend it. So I try breaking it down a little bit more like, okay, well, just get past this week. This week is short. Let's get past this week. Let's get past today. And then tomorrow show up and let's get past that day. So making things a little bit more, making it smaller in their heads, trying to shrink this major, you know, idea that they have that doesn't seem to be flowing with anything around them like it doesn't it does not clicking for them and it's because they just can't understand why when is the season going to be over when are they going to be comfortable in their body at this moment because they're just not yet and so getting them past that hump is kind to remind them that you are a girl but you're a strong girl because you know there are girls out there who can't do what you're doing you need to be that girl who empowers them putting you somewhat of that responsibility of you can be better but you have to keep pushing on them while supporting them to keep pushing cool that's awesome do you have examples of girls that come in and completely embrace that attitude of you know being a strong woman being like super powerful and sort of getting into that aspect of being an athlete yes i do i had a student who she joined the team with a, a group of friends. They were kind of like the clique. And when they joined the team, every time she would show up to practice, she would show up because her friends would show up, but there would be like this, and new attitude but for some reason always comes towards me. I'm like, is it because I'm the female coach on the team? So I assume. And so she would come in and I would say, do something. She kind of gave me like this, like eye roll and the neck roll. And you know, like there was so much attitude. Um, like she just looked exhausted to be there but would be fine talking to her friends, but just exhausted to do anything that was being asked of her. And then with like encouragement of like, well, you have these friends, they're working hard, you know, and they're girls. You are a female, like you work together, strengthen each other, support your girlfriends. Like they need you to be strong so they can be strong. And just kept pushing, kept, kept supporting, you know, like, when she was on the erg, I, I would be like, I would come around and kind of like give her a quick joke, like make a comment like, oh, yeah, look at that. And she'd kind of like look at me like I was crazy, but then kind of smirk a little bit and kept progressing as she got better with her rowing. And as I kept supporting her and her friends to keep going by the end of the year, like she was so much more comfortable. She loved like she like has her moments when she complains about workout pieces, but she was so happy to be there with her friends and just part of the dynamic of the middle school rowing team that this year, actually earlier this year, September, you know, they all came back and she was like, Patricia, I was so, I was, I was so mean to you when I first started. I was, I was, uh, 
I was a bitch. Like she pretty much was like, I'm, I was like, oh my God, I, I've never had a middle schooler tell me that. She goes, I, I'm so sorry because like I, you only meant to make me better. You had no ill intentions against me. And she's like, I'm so glad I stuck it out. Like I would have been upset if I left it, but I'm glad I stayed and I'm glad you pushed me. And I was like, it was one of those moments where as a coach, you're just like, I kind of want to cry, but I can't, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it. But it was, it was very empowering. Yeah. Like, okay, well, a lot of coaches, I know coaches who would have just ignored her. I have no coaches who have said, like, if they're not going to try, then why try? You know, why, why fight them? And I was just like, but someone fought you to get to where you're at. Everyone needs a little push to get to this moment where there's like, I'm, I'm the strong person. I trust in myself that I can keep going. And she needed that push and she got it. And now she's one of our fastest girls on our team she's like kind of like beating some of the a lot of the boys at this point so she's so fast and she loves the sport besides this it's opened her up to do more sports she's like on the track team and she's doing basketball I'm just like you made time like not only are you making time to be a rower but you're making time to be other things and experiment with life because you notice that you can be a strong young woman and that was amazing. I was like, I did my job. I'm good. You don't even have to roll in college. Just, just, yes. Yeah. Be who you are. How many kids do continue after your program and row in college or beyond? Every year is different, I would say. A lot of our kids in the past couple of years, they did middle school and then they did high school. So they're like, okay, I'm going to college. Do I want to continue rowing in college? You know, I love the dynamic, but like, I want to kind of understand what, who I am outside of rowing. So it depends on the year. We tend to get a good amount, go to colleges that have rowing. We have kids who just walk on to rowing because they didn't even like think they were going to do it. So I would say about, I don't know, a 75% of them go and row. I think, yeah, I would say 75% of the senior year that year would go and row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point in their college career. Since the emphasis of your program is not only on the rowing, but on the academics, I mean, I assume that you're trying to get kids into college and, you know, get scholarship for the ones that need it. Are they getting rowing scholarships or are they getting academic scholarships? Like, how does that dynamic work? So once they start the college application or even before they start it, we start them looking into the conversation. Do you want to row in general in college comes up? And if the kids like I have no intention of rowing, then we try to cater to their more academic side of scholarships. Depending on where they want to go, we try to find that. We try to find money anywhere we can for them to get go there academically. If the kid is like, I really want to row in college, you know, but I need the money. I need this. We then go into the idea of like, okay, let's start using our contacts. Let's start, you know, seeing which schools fit you better for rowing and your academics. You know, there are kids who are extremely amazing at rowing, but school is just not their strong suit. We all know that there's kids like that. So... For them, we try to find that balanced school where they're not going to be focused only on rowing there. They're not going to just get recruited and pushed through the like academic process, you know, because the coach wants a rower and not a student. So we, we try to find that balanced school because we want them to be successful in the future and not just depend on rowing. You know, rowing at some point does end for a lot of people. You know, you get injured, you know, you grow out of it. But you need something, you need the education side of it to fall back on. So we try to find a balance. We have a team that just works all on scholarships, all on financial aid. It's just our college application process, the SAT, 
any specialized or standardized test that the kids need to worry on, we have an academic department that works on that. We have a college success coach that helps work on the college for the seniors and the juniors. So we try to find people who are younger, people who are a little bit more connected in the college and the rolling world to be able to be part of our staff so they can help guide the kids a little bit better than someone who probably has no idea about rowing. So, yeah. That's such a huge support system that most students don't have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Like I said, our rowing program on the water, you can't tell the difference between us and any other club out there. But once you remove us from that water area and you, you look into us, you'll see that we are putting so much more into the kids than just rowing. We're trying to get them the academic side and the rowing side and all while trying to get them to be, you know, just well-rounded human beings, having friends, understanding that there are people who come from different backgrounds and there can be your best friend and it's okay to be different. So, yeah, we definitely try to step out of the normal club mold. What's your racing schedule like? Our racing schedule, it, it changes depending on the kids on the team, but it's pretty much we go from at least since we're in New York, it gets super cold sometimes. So everything freezes over. So we could get pushed into April and start racing. But we try to start like March. March, we try to get out there on water races. And we don't end until early June. And then we'll pick it right back up early fall. So by like September, we have our fall races. And then everything kind of dies down for the winter season. And then we'll probably go to two indoor races in the winter so we'll go to one that's in like long island um and then we'll probably go to one that's probably either in boston or philadelphia one of the closer areas Mm -hmm. is there something special about the sport of rowing that makes this program so successful or could it have been any sport i mean i think a lot of people they're like well why couldn't these kids just join basketball you know just go do basketball you'll get a scholarship I think it's rowing is so different than a lot of sports. I think it's so different because we don't have technically an off season. It's the weirdest thing to say, like every season, every sport has an off season. You know, we kind of have a chill time. Rowing really doesn't have a calm period. It's always kind of happening. So when you're part of that world, you're always in that. You're always competing. You're always in the athletic. I don't, I need to be ready. I always need to be ready because I never know when the competition's coming. So you're always training to be ready for whatever competition pops your way. Compared to like, you know, volleyball, it has its off season. You know, once it once it happens, I don't really need to train to throw a ball anymore, to hit the ball, to serve. You know, I can kind of lean off of it a little bit and just do do other things. With rowing, it's like I always have to keep on the earth. I always have to work out on the earth so I can make sure my numbers are where I need them to be. You know, so I can make sure I'm PRing. So I can make sure I'm beating world records, things like that. And so I think that's why people, once they're in it, it's hard to walk away because you get this like, it's this adrenaline rush that always happens because you sit on the erg and prior to sitting on the erg, you're super nervous. You're super tired. You're just like, I don't want to do this. And then you get on the erg and you start rowing and then you're like, you go through these crazy emotions. Like I'm tired. I'm scared. I'm, I'm in pain. Oh my God, I'm almost done. Oh my God, I'm about to PR. Like, and oh my God, these numbers are crazy. Like you have these, these rushes that happen to you while you're in the piece. It's just natural. You become addicted to it. That's to the point where you're just like, I need to keep doing this. I need to keep pushing. You don't row for three weeks. You come back, you're just like, oh my God, I missed this. I forgot what pain felt like. I forgot what it, you know, the, 
all the negativity of the sport, I just miss being on the water. I miss the air. You know, I miss feeling the, the grip of the oar when I'm putting it into the water and I'm driving off of it. I miss all these things that are happening. So I think people stick to the rowing a little bit more than other sports because of this weird, it keeps you on your toes. Like it, it really does. It always keeps you on your toes. And I think people stick to it because it's like, you never know who or what's going to happen with anyone. You could beat the Olympic world record today. And then tomorrow you sit down and do that same piece again and hit nowhere near it. It's just always a guessing game. So I think people always are always guessing. Everyone's a gambler deep down. Deep down, everyone's a gambler. So you always want to gamble with where you're going to fall. What kind of feedback do you get from your students, you know, once they have left the program or even, you know, you described the previous story of while they were in the program? So I had a lot of feedback. They're just like, this was fun. This was this was different. I have kids who kind of go, I love the time here, but I don't want to row and I don't want to do it anymore. But I liked the family aspect that you guys gave me. I have kids who are about to go to college. And then just like the one thing that I've, I looked into every team. And the one thing that I'm, I know that I might not get when I go and row in this college is like those true friends that I need that have my back. I'm Yes, I'm going to make friends, but no one's going to be the, like the people here who texted me when I was sick, who checked on me and made sure I did well on my piece. And, and they also talk about the coaching staff. Like they love the way we are a lot of the coaching staff the age gap between us and the kids is not that far like you know we have staff members who are 19 years old I'm 22 years old I'm not that much older than a lot of the students who are going to college now from our varsity team I'm not that much older than a middle schooler you know in age gap wise so a lot of them they're like they love the youth connection that we can still bring to them even some of our older coaches who you know, have a bigger age gap. They like the knowledge and the support that is brought. Someone made a comment. They're like, well, you have mom vibes a lot of times. They make the comments when they leave. They're like, well, you kind of were like a mom, but you were like my sister, but you were like the weird aunt, like that everyone likes. So I've had these weirdest like uh, connections that they make in their head of family connections. And so I think for them, a lot of times they, they appreciated that they had that. And Truth be told, in New York City, a lot of the kids that we're working with, a lot of them have single household parents. You know, they have divorced parents. They have parents who either both parents work all the time. So they're by themselves with older siblings, with grandma, with grandpa. And it's always different when not the whole family is always there. When your mom and dad are not there, it's always a very different dynamic. When you don't have other siblings, it's always a different dynamic compared to someone who mom and dad is in the house, plus they have siblings, plus they have grandma in the house. It feels a little bit more supportive, like a village. And they get that when they get to the bull house because they're, they're, on any given day, there's about five coaches from different age categories at a bull house. You have kids ranging from 11 years old up to 18 years old on our team. So they get that older sibling, that younger sibling. They get the mom, they get the uncle, they get the brother vibes. So for them, a lot of them walk away. They're like, this was family for me because my parents worked all the time. So they weren't there. You know, this was family to me because you guys checked on me when I didn't show up for three days. Whereas, you know, you have teachers in school who like, I have, my roster is crazy already. I can't check on every student who doesn't show up. And, you know, so they're like, but you do. You make sure I go to school. You make sure that I eat. We do provide dinner and granola bars and stuff like that for the kids when they go to academics. Every week when we do Bowhouse Day, you know, cleaning up and everything, we go to Costco, we go to BJ's, and we get things that they like, nutritious things that they like. They are very into, for the craziest thing, these kids love milk. 
they just love it and so we get milk we get huge crates of milk for them that like can get stored in the closet we get granola bars they like dried fruit so we get those things and so when they leave they go I'm gonna miss that dynamic because we know that like you guys cared for us in every when we were the most annoying students to when we were most well-behaved students you guys always cared for us and you guys always supported us in any of the ideas like we have kids who are like I'm going to the military and we're like okay well what can we do to make sure you go to the military and feel comfortable and safe you know do you need a care package do you need what do you need what do you need gear what what can we do can we connect you to a veteran from our vets program what can we do to support you in any aspect in your life beyond us you know wow. and so they love that we have a lot of kids who come back and work for us because they're like, I want to share that with the kids that are coming in. Right, right. What has your experience been with the program? Because you've been there for quite a while. Yeah, so I was actually part of the program. I was that kid who didn't know what rowing was. So I live in Brooklyn. And middle school, I was like, I want to go to high school outside of Brooklyn. I want to feel like an older, mature high schooler. So I chose a school in Manhattan. All the way, very tip of Manhattan, almost going to the Bronx, I was crazy. <laughs> that's, that's a long commute. <laughs> it is a very long commute, but I, I wanted to do it. So when I did that, I was also put in a situation where I was by myself. I had I knew no one there. You know, those are the new kids. So when Row New York came to my school, like in 2012, and they were like, we're trying this new program. We just opened up this boathouse on this waterway. If you look out the window, you'll see us. And I looked out the window and there's big lake or I didn't know the difference between the lake and the river I was like how far does this go and so I looked at them and I was like this is crazy but I want to do it they they played this video uh why I row you know and at the time the video was all girls because they were taking the video from their queen's girls team the team in queen's is all women and so they were taking it from there and they were showing it to us and I was just like you know these girls are talking about sisterhood they're talking about support they're talking about you know, showing up to practice and being there for each other. And in that moment, that's what I needed. I needed friends. I needed a support system to tell me that you did the right decision. It was okay to go from Brooklyn to this high school. It's it's going to be okay. So I went there and I tried out and I made it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I made it. First day, met this girl and I was like, cool, she's going to be my friend. And I would like to say that it was a really good experience because this girl is still my friend till this day. Oh, that's great. You know, yeah, like she rose all the way in Miami and we still text and call each other every day just to make sure we're okay. Mm -hmm. And so when I was on the team, I got that family orientation early on, but I also got this drive. They made sure you, you got the, the rowing bug early to work hard, to be there, to push past these walls that we put up as human beings. Everyone has a wall. And we're taught at Row New York to break through that wall, not just walk through it and just kind of push it down, but to do a full sprint right into that wall, burst it in and just kind of get through that, get past that wall to the next one. And so that stuck to me, even now as an adult, that has always stuck to me. Anything I do now, I always go with that same mindset of, is this is a wall, I need to just get past it. Once I'm past this wall, I'm good. Like I just need to deal with the next challenge. And so I think that's the one thing that I got out of there was these amazing coaches who at the time were 26 years old. I was like 14, 15. So the gap wasn't that big. So I was like, okay, if they can do it, you know, some of them just finished college. If they can do it, then so can I. You know, you had an injury. You talk about your injury. Okay, I popped my shoulder out in the middle of a row and I kept going because I was like, if my coach can keep rowing 
with a back injury, so can I keep pushing myself through a shoulder injury just to finish a workout. And then, you know, after that, then I deal with the injury then. But I, I got past it. I got past a lot of my challenges because of the things that I was taught. You know, like anywhere you are at in your life, you can push past them. And so I think that's the one thing I got from Low New York. It was to work hard and to respect and love everyone around you while while working hard. You don't have to push anyone down to be on top. You can be on top and still support those behind you. And that's the one thing I take and I try to teach my kids because I know that like they will one day be adults and I would want them to one day then show the next generation, you know, like you can be great and bring up someone else with you. And I think that like my, my coworker, my boss, he tries to support me in every way doing that all the time with the girls, especially with the girls. He's kind of like the girls coach, you know, he's always like, girls, you can be stronger than the boys. I know I can believe it. And so we try to work as a team to like, okay, well, we have to use each other. We have to push each other. We have to make them the next best thing, especially because they're girls and the world tells them that like they are the weaker link. They are the weaker gender. We have to keep showing them to prove them wrong because a lot of times I've met girls who are faster and stronger than boys, but because of their boys, we give them the props and we don't give the girls the cheer that they need. So I've, me and my coworker definitely, we, we always try to do that with the girls. We try to lift them up. You know, we'll lift the boys up, but, you know, they're going to kind of go up on their own. But we definitely use both our hands to push the girls up and beyond. I love that. I like that you said that the boys are going to get there on their own. That's funny. (laughs) I mean, a lot of times they don't really need that feeding into. They know they're fast. Boys boys know they're strong. They just, they know it. They're like, yeah, I know. These are muscles. (laughs) You know, girls, they they question it. They're like, is this strong? Is this this weak? What is weak and strong? So, yeah. What are your goals long term? So long term, I want to do youth sports development with a twist of nutrition behind it. So I kind of want to keep doing the coaching part of it. But I want to go more into like getting them to understand themselves socially and emotionally while getting them to understand themselves nutrition wise. So kind of like a little bit of a sports counselor for any program out there. It definitely would be for Row New York because I know that is something We've talked about all the time. It's like, okay, well, coaches should be well-versed in nutrition, emotions, social cues, and stuff like that, especially for such a young group that I'm working with. So I kind of want to keep doing what I'm doing right now, like keep coaching, keep going to school, keep kind of finishing up, you know, making myself more aware of what the youth need so I can strengthen them up a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask about? No, no, this was great. I definitely think this was fun. I think the only thing I have to give support and props to like my boss and my coworkers who actually are all male, except like maybe two other females, all my coworkers, at least my location in Manhattan are all male and they're very supportive of women and growth. And so I definitely want to give them a props and shout out to them without them. And we definitely would be struggling for that support. So nice. I'm very happy to have them. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Cool. Great, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Once again, another terrific guest. I really hope you enjoyed and got something from this week's show. The most important thing to do is share it with all your favorite women and sporty friends. Find us on social at Hear Her Sports and sign up for the newsletter for more thoughts on each episode and other issues in sports. I always include links to things I think are cool or interesting. It's always terrific to hear from you, so send an email to elizabeth at hearhersports.com 
or call our hotline at 725-BE-BADASS, 725-222-3277. Our stellar design is by Agnes Studio and music by the band Goldmines. Till next time, I'll be washing my hands a lot, spending time in fresh air, and wishing everyone great health. Bye-bye. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.